0: everyone. Welcome to The Final Four is Not on the Schedule. I'm your host, Eric, alongside with expert analyst Rod. Thanks for joining us on the Best MSU Basketball Podcast featuring in-depth recruiting, game matchup, and post-game analysis. We dive deep to give you the best tools to enjoy the Spartans and impress your friends and family. Hey, everybody. It's Eric alongside Rod. We're here to talk about Michigan State's new commitment for the 2024 class, Ker-Tang, I'm sorry, totally blanked on the name, as I'm sitting here. Uh, I'm on. <laughs> I, <laughs>
1: well, at least you got it right. I have a feeling we're going to be hearing a lot of interesting variations on that name, uh, Kevin Tolbert. Yes, style. right, exactly. Um, for the next, for the next, for however long Kerr is. In yeah, East I think Latin. I saw
0: someone post something about uh, Tang, and that. For those of us, those of you who are yeah. like yeah, 40 or above, you definitely remember, you know, the drink of the astronauts, which is. That's right. That's what I was going to say. The astronaut, <laughs> But uh, <laughs> I, which is like one of the worst orange drinks ever. I don't, I can't I don't even know why we thought Terrible. that was okay. Absolutely but I feel like at the time I thought as a kid it was okay. I, but, think
1: it, I think it was, yeah, I think it was marketed that way because, or it was suc- as successful as it was in part because of the astronaut yeah. thing. That, oh, isn't this cool that you could take a powder and turn it into a drink? Not really. I mean, it's not like they
0: didn't have Kool Aid. I mean, I had Kool Aid. It was really good. Right. Which was (laughs) infinitely better. Yeah. Uh, So, anyway, uh, before we begin, I just want to shout a quick thank you to Kenneth um, Kramer, who gave us a one time gift via PayPal. Thank you so much, Ken, for supporting the show and supporting all we do. I'm here on remote in Houston, Texas. At the Final Four, and actually in the fitness room of this hotel <laughs> after the national championship game, that's how much we're dedicated to getting out uh, important stuff to you guys, and we love you. And uh, this is—it's the show's fun. It's—it's it's of course now we've moved into recruitment season, and so we're going to be talking about—and I guess you know roster season. I guess which is sort of more broadly yeah. speaking, since college basketball has changed significantly over just the last few years. Is sort of you know as and we'll have more. We'll have more discussions about the roster. Uh, if you want to support the show, please go to the Final Fours on the schedule.com dot com slash support, or if you're lazy, TFFINOTS dot com slash support. There you can do one time gifts via PayPal or Venmo, like Kenneth, or you can do a recurring uh, monthly donation through Patreon. That's a great way to support the show. Other ways to support the show, you can go to our sponsor of the show, namely Nudge Printing at nudgeprinting.com. You get twenty percent off your order. They have excellent, we should say, products. T-shirts, hoodies, uh high quality screen printed materials. Uh, you won't go wrong there with any of their stuff. 20% off if you type in Final Four. That's just one word uh checkout for 20% off. And um also if you're on the west side of the state, it is now spring, I guess. I it feels definitely we've I moved beyond spring. (laughs) No, it
1: is. We've we've crossed over officially today. It was in the sixties, I think, in in most of the state. And uh It looks like we're not even getting into the 40s for at least the next 10 days. Okay, well,
0: maybe then a golf season starts here. Baseball started. We were watching, sort of half watching the the, at least the game cast on uh, my son's phone during the basketball game tonight to watch the Tigers actually their first win of the season as they get their first win and right i know you are, and you know it's houston. funny we, i didn't even think to bring to think about the tigers because you know you go to houston you don't even think like tigers it's not like a central right team. so maybe in two days maybe we'll go and we're joking that you know if the tigers manage to win a second game tomorrow that we somehow try and sneak in some whisk brooms or something like that and <laughs> go to minute mate take some brooms in <laughs> yeah um,
1: i wouldn't i wouldn't count on
0: that I, but yeah we were uh yeah it's kind of a miracle they won tonight but you know it got to start somewhere. One game winning streak. That's um, right. So let's uh, briefly before we begin. You know, as long-time listeners know, of course, I won tickets by hitting free throws at the halftime at Michigan State. That's why I am here at the Final Four. Ordinarily, I would never go to Final Four if Michigan State wasn't playing or you know, team I cared about. Um, but I got to tell you, my trip, Rod, because it was totally insane. So, so I'm I had to get out of town late on Friday because I wasn't sure my work schedule so you know of course and then of course we're making the arrangements i have to make arrangements for my daughter and my wife so we, we have to get plane tickets for them well there are no good flights out of grand rapids to get into uh houston so we decided to um fly out of o'hare why i thought this was a good idea you know i mean you look at the yeah that's look I, at the prices I, that's yeah, never, I-
1: <laughs> it's never ever ever a good idea to fly out of o'hare
0: to connect in O'Hare, if you can avoid it, stay out of it. Yeah, O'Hare. it was a complete mistake. And you know, the, I think one of the last times, I, di- I remember one of the times we were flying from, so this just tells you how dumb it was, this is even back, this is 20 plus years ago, we're flying for my interview for, to get a job in Grand Rapids, we're flying from Iowa City, which let me tell you, if you fly from Iowa City and everything works perfectly- it's going to take you just as long to get from Iowa City to Grand Rapids as it does if you drive. <laughs> so, so we, you know, you fly to right. Cedar Rapids, you fly connect through O'Hare. Of course, the flights, right. you know, if, it, if there's a hiccup anywhere in O'Hare, they just go ahead and cancel the flight. The little puddle jumpers to Grand Rapids or whatever. So, so anyway, so I, we're going to fly out late, uh, like seven o'clock at night. It was great. It's direct flight into, into Houston. It was perfect. Of course, as we're driving in, the storm of the century, whatever you know, the, the hail. There's like you know, lightning storm, yeah. and. Our flight gets canceled. It gets delayed, and then cancels. We get up to the gate, and they're like, "Yeah, well, we can get you to Houston on the second of April." <laughs> like, well, that's not very helpful. Uh-huh. That's Sunday. That we've missed the first two games. So, is there any way you can get to? Can you get us, you know, anywhere close to Houston? Like, well, not really. I mean, we can fly you in at three forty-five on Saturday afternoon. I'm like, oh, that's really. That, I'm you know missing the first. It's that you know to leave at three forty-five. Go right. here. There's no way you make it there till late. Anyway. So then, a guy's like working the his magic at the gates. Like, actually, I can get you out tonight because a flight that was supposed to go to Dallas got delayed. Of course, you know because of all the storm. Uh, so, but it, the flight didn't leave till eleven. We got in and it was delayed again, and so we didn't get into two two thirty in the morning into Dallas Fort Worth. Of course, there's no flight to to Houston, so we have to change our car rental instead of getting it just ready in Houston. I change it to Dallas. Well, it takes an hour to find you know. a, a a shuttle bus to get you to the rental center. So we don't get in our car until about three 30 in the morning. Then I have a four hour drive to Houston. <laughs> we get in the, st- they were, the car, the car rental place was open 24 seven. Yeah. And wow. it was actually, I have to, that's not a, given. Oh no, I know. I mean, I looked at it ahead of time yeah. cause I'm like, you know, I'm going to rent at two in the morning and they're like, Oh yeah, we're open. But you know, it's the, 10, every 10-minute 10 shuttle bus ran once an hour, right? So it finally picks you up, gets you there. It was the fastest car rental ever. I mean, it took me five minutes to rent a car. I've never had one where I get mm. that quick.
1: No, that's ins- that's insane. Yeah,
0: that was the only fortunate thing because, you know, it's a four-hour drive, not much traffic <laughs> from Dallas to, to Houston. Uh-huh. We get in. It's, you know, the sun has risen now. We get breakfast. We go to the hotel. go <laughs> to going to check in. And she's like, "Uh, you're a little early, check in. I said, actually, I'm really late. <laughs> because I called ahead that said, you know, I'm going to be really late. So we right. get in crash in a room, wake up around noon, go down to the Final Four stuff, and actually it worked out great, although it was kind of weird because we were like, you know, in Chicago on the same day we are in Dallas and then also in Houston. and But we saw a great game of Florida Atlantic, and then, of course, the next game was a laugher with uh, Miami and Connecticut, and, and tonight's game was not that close. Uh, so it, it, it was almost a planes, trains, and automobile situation getting down to Houston, but we made it. And I've, you know Is
1: this is this the first final four you've
0: been to? First one, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I've
1: Okay, so you haven't been <clears> to <throat> any of the other MSU ones. Yeah, I was correct. I was just curious how you'd compare it if you had been. So
0: I have been to I've been to first round games. So we went to some first and second round games, although Michigan State wasn't there. We was actually um back at the I think it was at the palace and it was um, Kansas was there. So we had a friend from Kansas who came who drove up who flew in to watch Kansas play, and I was in the same regional as well. So my wife could watch, and, and both teams got upset in the first round. So Kansas lost to Bradley. Iowa lost to Northwestern State or something like that, I think. And, it was, and so we, yeah. we ended up going back on Sunday, and we're like, yeah, neither We thought for sure, you know, one of our teams, because they were like, I think the two seed and like the three seed, I think, Iowa's when they got upset. Um, and then we went to the regional final game uh, against Duke, in, in D.C., we just happened to be driving through and we're like, oh. oh, wow. So I was there when, you know, Kenny Goins hits that shot, you know, Cash Winston dribbling. Yeah, I mean, that the, was that's
1: a good that's a good one. That was an amazing. Yeah. It was I, what I was more curious about, though, is um, and I don't know how much of an opportunity you got to do this, but typically there's a which you don't see with the regional games. There's there's stuff going on around right. it that can that can be interesting. So, for example, when the Final Four was here in Detroit, I actually met one of Dr. James Naismith's relatives. Oh. He had a booth on, <laughs> you know, on his his relative, his very famous relative, who embedded the sport. Yeah. Um, so you have things weird stuff like that, you know. Um, did you get a chance to go to any of the uh, any of that kind of thing? So
0: there were um, there was stuff at the conventions. So you know, of course, because of our totally bananas right. arrival, we couldn't really do any of the. I I mean, I was intentions of like, yeah, we'll just hang out. Just the two of us there. We'll just go to this, you know, tailgate stuff. So we didn't make any of that stuff. It was like at a convention center five miles away. But yeah, typical.
1: Oh, see, that's that's boy. That's hilarious because, you know, a lot. One of the things that Detroit got, um, you know, Detroit got dinged for, obviously, because of the weather and, and Houston's had the final four multiple times. Sure. But if that's the case, I mean, in Detroit, you had you had that stuff going on, and I'm trying to remember, and I'm drawing a blank where obviously the event was at Ford Field. I can't remember if they did. They might have done the rest of the stuff at I was going to say Cobo Hall, yeah. a lot closer than five miles it was definitely a convention center uh, but a lot closer than five miles from the game site that's ridiculous yeah well they
0: had a shuttle I guess they're running I didn't know about the, it you know it was yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, easy yeah, to yeah. find all this stuff so they do have like a tailgate like um, like a tailgate sort of thing with a ferris wheel and you could go play knockout and they'd you know, Papa shot and yeah. they had U S army was there with like a mortar. They could launch basketballs at a 45 <laughs> foot tall basket You or fly a drone. Wow. So they had some cool stuff. It was kind of fun. <laughs> We're yeah. waiting for it to get in today. Cause my wife was, didn't, cause she and my daughter had to fly in that second flight late on Saturday. Uh, so they missed the first games, which they didn't have tickets anyway. And you know, they didn't care. Um, so they joined us today. My do- wife joined me today and so she saw the stuff, and we were as we we're waiting for the tailgate to open up. This guy walks by. He's like, "Oh man!" Because I was wearing my Michigan State shirt. He's like, "I wish you guys were here," because there's just nobody here. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, I and I don't know. I haven't. That's
1: another comparison you yeah. raised. That that's another thing that I was curious about. Obviously, um, none of the participating schools, other than UConn, have, and and they're nowhere near the top have large, uh, basketball fan bases or, or fan bases period. I mean, even Miami, you know, I think people assume because of the football success that they've had small school, but over the years, but it's small school. And if you, if you look at attendance, even for football games, forget basketball, it's, it's rough. Yeah. So from that perspective, this was, this was not ideal.
0: No, I think, I think that's probably true. Yeah. I mean, I would say the the atmosphere, though, so I've been to, you know, Big Ten Championship game or the Big Ten tournaments. I've been to that regional final. I've been to the first and second round. So I've been to a number of sort of, you know, events. I would say the energy and the juice in the arena on the of Four day on Saturday was really pretty amazing. It was really great. I mean, there are people walk, walking around chanting, you know, FAU fans and SDSU fans and uh, UConn and Miami people. So there were, I mean, it was pretty cool i mean it was there was a lot of energy in the in the arena
1: that's the thing about it i mean i've been to a few detroit uh i didn't go to the the 2001 that we, we won it, so i've only been to final fours where michigan state doesn't win <laughs> uh, ultimately but but detroit of the ones i've been to was my favorite obviously because it was the only other time msu's in iso's tenure at least msu's actually won a game right in the final four and that was a that was obviously a unique experience because it was like, you know, 90% Michigan state fans. And and yet, and yet, you know, we had UConn, which has a credible fan base, Villanova, which has a credible one, North Carolina, which has a huge one. And yet Michigan state was still 90%, but there's, there is something about that atmosphere, especially on the semifinal day where you've got all four schools involved. Um, that is really something else. I I would highly encourage, I think people should go to one anyway, if it's doable for you just to experience it, let's hope, you know, we have, and we're going to start talking about in a second, some of the guys who may be part of bringing the next one to Michigan state, but especially if Michigan state is involved, um, I, I couldn't recommend it enough as an experience. It's a really unique thing. And, And you were too late to do this it sounds like but one thing that i've done a a few times and again ford field was the apex just because of the circumstances but if you go to the oh yeah right
0: where they're just dunking and kind of messing around yeah Yeah.
1: and the, the michigan state practice day at ford field was was truthfully like a coronation i mean it was just incredible how many people normally there's not a ton of people there for that There was that day (laughs) and, and it was basically a lot of it just consisted of the Michigan state players waving to
0: fans.
1: (laughs) I mean, it was, but it really, was. it was, it was something I'll never forget. Yeah. I I remember that as clearly as I remember the win over UConn and unfortunately what came next on Monday night. (laughs) Um, But, uh, well, that's good. I'm glad you had a fun experience and, you know, that you got the opportunity to, to uh to get there in the first place by winning that free throw contest so that's that's and a lot of our listeners have kind of gone through this journey with you so um that's great it's been
0: it's been great it's been a great experience for my family and for my to hang with my son and you know he was uh, he big basketball fan too but he he turned to me and after that fau game where the san Diego state hit the shot the buzzer he's like i am so glad we're here this is (laughs) this is awesome. So that was, yeah. that was, well, that's the great thing, right? It doesn't
1: get much more dramatic than yeah. that. I mean, that was the other two games weren't great from a, uh, from a competition standpoint, but the fact that we got one out of three that was like that, um, is pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. And you don't always get even, that. Even if it, no, you absolutely don't. And even if it, it was a guy winning in Brian Dutcher <laughs> that, I mean, that was, that was the great thing about tonight with UConn winning is that it denied Brian Dutcher a national championship. Um, I would imagine at least some of our listeners know why I feel that way. Any Michigan state fan should feel that way. Um, but anyway, <laughs> I'm glad, uh, you know why I assume, yes. right, Brian, oh, yeah. just in case listeners don't Brian Dutcher, of course, was a longtime Michigan assistant under, uh, Bill Frieder and then Steve Fisher. And he was an instrumental part of the massive, massive unchecked cheating that went on in that program for years and years. He didn't invent it. It was going on long before he got there, <laughs> but he sure as hell helped sustain it. So screw him. I, I will say one more comment on this and then, then let's get yeah, to the, the yeah. fun stuff that I'm sure people want to hear. Um, I do find it remarkable. Absolutely remarkable that Watching the way that CBS covered this, and I I don't have a lot of objections to what CBS does with the tournament. I think generally they do a really nice job, but in talking specifically about San Diego state and you have this complete whitewashing of the history of Brian Dutcher and Steve Fisher, who they, who they highlighted a little bit too. Um, Hey guys, there's a reason those two had to go to a relative college basketball backwater like san diego state you know why because they were busted for cheating their asses off that's why (laughs) and you don't say anything about it and it and again i don't want to dwell on this but then i think back to several years ago when espn engaged in the worst kind of yellow journalism since uh the Hearst newspaper (laughs) chain getting us into the (laughs) spanish-american war Um, do you remember that by the way (laughs) and, and I've I've I did some of uh, my undergrad history work uh, in that USS period. USS Maine, but yeah. Anyway, I, I well the late 19th century, yeah. let's say. But I I digress. Um, <laughs> and and how it, that that nonsense, that absolute nonsense, got brought up on occasion. Yeah. Now CBS didn't do it. And I understand look I'm a realist I know that CBS is not going to spoil the fun of their celebration of college basketball by talking about the sins of Brian Dutcher and Steve Fisher but the whitewashing I, I, you can you cannot deal with that head on without attempting to create the which they always do it's their habit the, it's just like the coverage of the Olympics. We've got to bring a human yeah, interest right. element yeah. to it. And, you know, uh, come on. These guys were cheats. <laughs> they were cheats who got thrown out of Ann Arbor and then, again, had to go resuscitate their careers in at San Diego State for a reason. So I can do without the... the, the uh, sanctification
0: the plucky upstart
1: right of character yeah. yeah of characters like that screw them <laughs> anyway i i never thought i'd be i don't find danny hurley a particularly engaging figure but i never thought i'd be in a position where i was like get it done danny but i was tonight
0: <laughs> so that's how you know how, how bad you are if you, someone's cheering for Danny Hurley over you. Uh, it was a, this was a bad final four I know. in
1: that respect. The only school I really felt okay about was Florida Atlantic because I don't love Miami. No, either. I
0: know. Yeah. You know, NIL is kind of so, questionable and sort of what they did. Yeah. yeah.
1: And, and you, yeah, so it was not great. But anyway, yeah. let, let's get to the All fun right. stuff. And
0: I, and I only, I actually stopped halfway the live read with the, if you, so hit his spring. Gutter work, if you need it done in the west side of the state, the Grand Rapids area, out to Holland, Saugatuck, uh, over up to Rockford, Lowell, if you need it done, contact the brothers that just do gutters. As the name implies, they just do gutters. They specialize in that. Kurt Stauffer and his team will set you up right. They'll give you 10% off if you mentioned Final Four. Email him at kurt.stauffer at brothersgutters.com. Uh, you won't regret it. If you need it cleaned, repaired, or replaced, he will take care of your gutters. So it's an important thing. Water is a problem in Michigan. All right. So let's talk about the commitment is, uh, you know, there are two ways to add people to your roster. Generally, it's with recruitment. Nowadays, obviously more transfer portals for some teams. Michigan State less so. And so we're going to talk about a 2024 commitment from Tang. a 6'4", 190-pound wing, consensus top 40 recruit. Uh, So he's a great pickup for Michigan State to start off their recruitment season. Uh, He picked Michigan State over Rutgers in Providence. He's out from out east. He's a native of Manchester, New Hampshire, uh, the Live Free or Die State. He plays for Bradford Christian Academy in, I think it's in Massachusetts, right? Uh, Correct, correct. Let's talk about Kurtang, and it's K-U-R-T-E-N-G, so uh, fire away, Rod. Great pickup. Um,
1: and, And this is one that was, to be honest, not unexpected from, I would say from last fall, it became pretty obvious that there was a mutual admiration society going on between <laughs> him and Michigan state. He is one of these guys that I have heard, uh, gets the OKG designation, our kind of guy. Uh-huh. So what does that mean? Well, obviously he's got some talent and we'll talk about that in a sec, but also he's a guy that they see as physically and mentally tough. He plays hard um he wants to be coached hard and his effort level doesn't have to be coached that's an important thing so he really fits that mold of the kind of guys that Tom Bezo likes to bring into his program so we start with that which is a great place to start now we can talk about talent. as you said top 40 um he plays in uh the a prep school league in New England, which is arguably as good a level of high school competition as you'll find in the country. Um Michigan State, as I'm thinking about it, I don't know that I can recall Izzo ever getting a player out of this league. Uh John Beeline used to work it. Mm-hmm. He got guys out of out of the New England prep school ranks. Um and obviously tons of other schools have as well. Um but I don't think Michigan state ever has interesting thing. His coach in both his prep school and his AAU coach plays for a program called mass rivals, which is on the, um, three SSB circuit. The Adidas circuit, um, is the same guy. That's a rarity. Um, and, and his coach it's, it's interesting. Has, I've seen quotes from him today talking about how this is just a perfect fit because of the kind of kid that, that Kerr is. Um, and Kerr has said that one of the reasons he committed to Michigan State is it all felt very familiar, which means both the way that he's used and how he's coached hard. And so he likes the idea of Tom Ezzo being a guy who will push him to make him better because he feels like that's what he's had in his high school and AAU experience. So these are all things that would seem to line up very, very well. If you're talking about style and comparisons, he is primarily on the offensive end, what we call a catch and shoot guy. Mm -hmm. So what that means is he's very comfortable coming off screens, popping out, receiving a pass and going up with a jumper. That's a big, big part of his game. He's not really, and I'm not saying he's incapable of doing it, but it's not a primary part of his game to square a defender up, try to take him off the dribble, go to the rim. That, that's not who Kurtang is. Um, he is a very good shooter. He's very good in the mid range. Good, albeit a little bit streaky kind of three point shooter, I believe. If I recall correctly, last season in AAU, he shot 38% from three. Yeah, that's, that's pretty yeah. good. Um, but the way he got there was a little bit streaky. So it sounds like he might have a little bit of Gabe Brown in him. Gabe Brown was that way yeah. in in high school in AAU. You know, one game he'd go six for eight, the next one 0 oh for five. You know, and so the overall numbers are pretty good. But you, had, yeah, you didn't right. have that consistency. Yeah. He got better with that over his time at Michigan State. I would expect that Kurtane has a chance to get better as he goes along in East Lansing as well. Um, defensively, they like his length. He's six four, but his wingspan is is longer than that. Um, he's not. He's strong. Uh, looking at him, I mean, this is a kid who, if you see him, if you go out and look at clips, you can tell he's got broad shoulders he's got a, he's not huge right now he's 6-4 and i think they list him at like 190 yeah but you look at his frame I, he looks to me like a kid who can probably add some more good weight um and he's already pretty strong and pretty tough so that, those are good elements uh to have in your in your favor as a de- perimeter defensive player he's not an upper level athlete i'd say he's maybe a little bit above average for the position um, but you know, he's, he's going to be a wing all the way. Mm-hmm. He's not a combo guard type, decent handle, decent passer can get better in those areas, but he's not, you know, some of the guys, Michigan state, we've talked about this a lot. You know, you look at the guys at Michigan state ad, has been adding and it's been a lot of guys who have that on ball ability. That's not Kurtane. He's going to be used coming off. Pin down screens, floppy action stuff, which is all screening stuff that Michigan State runs. And if you paid attention to anything Michigan State's ever done in basketball over the last twenty-five <laughs> years, twenty-seven, um, you'll know that that is always a big feature of the offense: getting shooters loose via screening action, and and having guys who are capable of delivering in those positions. That's Kurtang. I think if you're looking for comparisons, the best one I can think of from a Michigan State perspective, and, and probably even beyond that, is Josh Langford. He's not quite as tall as Josh was. Josh was six six. Curves like six four, but extremely similar games. I mean, very similar games. Like Josh, his his shot release is ultra smooth. He knows how to use screens at an extremely high level already. And I would anticipate he'll get even better at that at Michigan State. Um, but that's a good that's a good place to start if you're trying to envision how Curtain plays, what he might be able to do within Michigan State's system, especially offensively. Think Josh Langford.
0: Yeah. So a couple of questions come to mind. One is, you know, the one thing that we always focus on is rebounding in both the offensive and defensive end from the wings. And it's not something that Michigan State's yeah. been particularly strong yeah. at the last couple of years, better this year. Uh, and you suspect next should be even better if you actually have a healthy Aikens and, you know, potentially Hall's coming back. You know, not sure at this point. Uh, what do you, what do you see for him from as far as rebounding from and from the wing position?
1: Well, it's look, he's not a great athlete. So the things that, you know, let's say make Jaden Akins an effective rebounder, right? He doesn't have that kind of athletic horsepower, but the, his, his high school coach certainly is spoke highly of him as a rebounder. And that's because he's got again, a toughness to him. He's got yeah. some strength and you know, you don't, it helps to be a high powered athlete, but it's not required no, for sure. You can be, I mean. Denzel Valentine was a hell of a rebounding perimeter player, right? Yeah. He wasn't, he certainly wasn't any better of an athlete than Curtain is. So I, I would like to think that he has a chance to be effective there, but it's that that's an aspect of his game. I'm, I'm a little hesitant to make uh, strong, to have strong feelings about just because I think you, you need to see it at this level. You need to see his instincts in right, that yeah. way. And I'm just not comfortable there yet. But I, I, I certainly wouldn't rule it out because, you know, the, the mindset and the toughness seems to be where you'd want it. That's a good place to start.
0: And so the next obvious question is, you know, when, you, when you're trying to construct the roster, you know, with the transfer portal, with, with you know, COVID years mm-hmm. and all this stuff, you know, is that position too crowded? Is it not crowded? I mean, you know, do you, where do you see... Him fitting in in 2024 because you have to try and guess, I suppose. You know what the rosters be like, right? I mean, that's what Izzo's got to try and figure yeah. out. It, you've got it because you can't yeah. have like six point guards, right? I mean, at some point you've got to try think, and figure out yeah. where people fit.
1: Look, I think that's a fool's errand at this point <laughs> to try to do it with any kind of. And I'm not, I'm, but seriously, yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, any anybody, anybody anybody trying to do that right now is is kidding themselves. Yeah, sure. Um We just don't know. So if you look at Michigan state next year, ideally you're going to have, this is if everybody comes back, everything goes right. You have AJ Hogard, Tyson Walker, and Jade Makins as your three starters on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. If that's the case, if it's those three guys, I would expect them all to be gone after next season right now. Yeah. For sure. Walker would have to right. be, he'd have no choice. Theoretically Hogard could have another year. And Jaden Aikens could come back for a senior year. But at this point, I would not expect that if they're all back anyway. Mm -hmm. So you start with that. So, okay, what do you have? Well, you have a a current sophomore who would be a junior the next year in Trey Holliman. Mm -hmm. We don't know where Trey's going to be as a player yet at that point. Jeremy fears would be going into a sophomore year. Feel very good about him and his potential and then you've got two other incoming freshmen. Garrick Norman for sure is going to be a wing, And I like his potential. Yep. Um, and Cohen Carr, I think will be a wing. That's my guess at this mm-hmm. point. And I love his potential. Yeah. That is a guy. I mean, we're talking about 24, not 23, but that guy look out, right. <laughs> look out. Um, so that's what you've got as it stands right now. Yeah. And we're going to get into this in a minute as we talk about the rest of the 24 class. So to me, that's a decent start. And you add curtain. That's five guys on the perimeter. Is my math right? Yeah. Yeah. That's five guys. Assuming they're all still around. Yeah. Um, that's a good place. That's a good place to start, but do you need more? Yeah. You probably need a couple more guys. Mm -hmm. So in that perimeter group in totality, I do not think Michigan State is done recruiting perimeter guys. I would be I would be surprised if they didn't try to add another wing, and we'll talk about some possibilities in a minute. Um I think it's possible they might look to at least add another combo guard who could play on or off the ball. And I don't know, I'm not quite as confident about that yet, but there are a couple guys they're in on already that fit that mold. Um, and then there's the transfer portal. Um, so it's it's just really hard to say. I think this is the thing. I don't think Tom Izzo is playing that game too much. Mm-hmm. He's got to do it to an extent, but again, he knows better than anybody that the vagaries of this stuff you can't know. I mean, he doesn't know yet what his team for next year is going to look like, never mind two years. He doesn't know right. that definitively yeah. yet. He's, he's got some indications, but he doesn't know. Right. Um, so how can you know another year down the road right now? So I think what you focus on is adding guys that have the mindset, the personality, and the skills that you value in the program. And that's where Curtain really is check, check, check from everything we can tell. He makes perfect sense as a Michigan State guard. I don't think they had anybody currently expecting to be in the program that year who's exactly like him. You know, Garrick Norman is a very good shooter too, but I think he's a little bit different kind of player. Mm-hmm. He's a little better athlete for starters, maybe a little better with the ball in his hands. I think they would ask him to do some different things. I don't know, but Curtain is an exceptional exceptional score he really has a knack again for using screens getting shot a quick shot release being very effective in in that phase of the game and that matters a lot they didn't really have a guy quite like him in that mix so that's what i think you're trying to do here yeah. you're just trying to add and here's another thing too i expect and, and not every program is like this. A lot of programs go in the other direction. They're saying, well, maybe we'll only, we'll only sign two guys in the high school. Right. I was going to ask
0: yeah, that's a sort of other strategy. Yeah, yeah.
1: I, Michigan State's got four guys coming in in 23, and I'm not going to be surprised if we see at least three and maybe four in this class. Um, because that's how Tom Mizzo wants to do it. That doesn't mean he'll never take a portal guy. We know that because we've seen him do Mm -hmm. it. But if he has his preference, he's told you this 19 times this season. (laughs) If he told you once, he wants to continue to do it the way he always has, which it means primarily you build a team by developing guys over multiple years. Who you have recruited out of high school? Yep. That is what he wants to do. So he is, I think, going to continue to try to operate as best he can in that fashion. And so, you know, this is the first guy. He's not going to be the last yeah. if they sign in this class.
0: Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely philosophy when you look at it because clearly, like you said, you could just go with two players and say we're just going to fill up with the transfer portal. And you know, uh, you know, the, if you look at it, you say, well. You could use transfer players because the advantages is they've they have experience usually they're they've proven yep. themselves and you say well I can plug them in to my you know if I have a hole here or there, uh, the the risk of course you run is if you have a foundation that you're building, and one or two guys leaves suddenly you've lost your foundation and now you're plugging more than holes with with transfer and now you're kind of guessing how people are going to fit together and the advantage of course with the high school recruitment is you know these players I mean you. You have a much better feel 100%. for what they're like, right? And you just 100%. don't get that in a transfer. I mean, you could talk to coaches who coach them. You may have you may have a reasonable idea. Maybe you had previously recruited them, like you know Joey Hauser or something like that. So you may know sort of what they're like. Yep. But for the most part, it is much more of a gamble. And as much as I think people are pointing out to all the transfers and college basketball, like Kansas State or whatever, and they're like, "Oh, see, this is maybe the new formula." Well, you could say that, but you can just as easily find ten other schools that tried the form the transfer portal. Uh, and it failed completely. You look at Illinois, you look at Michigan, you look at Ohio State. That have were kind of absolute failures. And if anything, they have nothing to fall back on the following season, right? And so, I, I, again, I don't think there's one way that's right or wrong. It's just whatever you can get to work. But you probably have more stability, and as long as you're getting the good recruits, right? That's the, the key. If you're getting sub, you know, 100 recruits, and you know you you may be struggling to 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 use a high school recruitment sort of strategy. But I feel like if you're getting this, these top 10, top 20 recruiting classes, I mean, you're, you're going to probably be okay. As long as you've got enough experience elsewhere in your program that you can develop those young players. Well, look, um, yeah, you can point
1: to the programs that managed to do it successfully. Uh, Kansas state obviously is one that people will point to with almost the entire roster being portal editions this year, cause they had no choice, yeah. um, and getting all the way to an elite eight. That's great. And I, I, and I would never claim that you can't do it that way, but <laughs> I, we've talked about this before here, and I'm going to say it again, what you just saw in that tournament is a four seed beating a five seed for the title. You had not just a Final Four, but an Elite Eight without any one seeds, yep. And you only had one two seed, <laughs> yeah. Texas make it to the Elite Eight. I don't personally believe this is an accident. And, if, and, and the, the number one suspect in the room for the lack of consistency nationwide, in my opinion, is the transfer portal. Mm-hmm even in situations where you're claiming it quote unquote worked, you know, Alabama added some guys, right. Um, they were one seed. They got bounced in the sweet 16. That's not a disastrous season. I'm not trying to claim that, but can you claim given the expectations coming into the tournament, that it was a success? Do you think their fans? Do you think Nate Oates feels it was a success? I don't know about that. And, I, and you can't blame it all on the transfer portal. But I think when, when you see this over and over and over and over, where nobody has consistency, by the way, even UConn, UConn had a dominant tournament run. Mm-hmm. They beat everybody by double digits yeah. that they played. Okay. Very impressive. And they looked, they looked the part of a national champion, watching them play. You didn't, at least I didn't feel like, wow, we just had a very mediocre team win it. They looked the part of a national champion, but they were a four seed for a reason. (laughs) Yeah. Cause they had a really bad January. Why did that happen? Well, I would submit for the same reasons. Now it's not like inconsistency only came into the. (laughs) Into the arena when the portal started, we all know that Michigan state was inconsistent they were not, they didn't have any portal additions this year. Right. So it can happen to anybody. But I do think when you're, you're looking at a team like UConn had some transfers in key positions that has an impact. You can't convince me otherwise. So to bring it back around to Michigan state, Tom Izzo is saying, I'm not changing my philosophy, not fundamentally. I might add a guy here or there if I have to make sense. Certainly if it's a guy that they know, well, you mentioned Joey Hauser. Most of the transfers Izzo has taken were guys that he either knew well previously or were guys from the region that he had experience could get really good Intel. Right. On. Yeah. Um, that's how he's going to do it. Because he believes continuity and chemistry are huge deals. How can you know what you're adding when you're dealing with recruitment through the portal? Look at the timeline of these recruitments. Many of them are over in like a week. Sometimes they might go two or three weeks. And I'm talking about for, you know, not guys at the end of the portal that are struggling to get into a, you know, MIAC school, but. Um, the guys that high majors are going after.. Yeah. You can't possibly, you can't possibly have anywhere near the same level of understanding of that kid as you do when you're recruiting the typical high school kid. Now, you know, Michigan State in, in the 23 class had a situation where they ended up recruiting two guys that weren't that hadn't even gotten offers in the spring of last year in Normand and Carr but they were recruiting them for a few weeks prior to offering them. Yeah. That was, even having said that, that was highly unusual. The more standard issue Michigan State recruitment is Kurt Tang or Xavier Booker or Jeremy Fears, where it's long-scale, months and months and months, or sometimes even multiple years that Michigan State is on a player. Tom Izzo believes that's the key to his program being successful maybe it works for others but i look i'm going to be really interested you know um kansas state as an example jerome Tang's obviously a very very good coach who's a good assistant Mm -hmm. in baylor for a long time had a great year this year can't take that away from him but it sounds like he's going to have to do a lot of rebuilding again i don't know how heavy they're going to be in the portal almost certainly not as heavy as they were this year but Um, I would expect they'll be back in the portal. They've already lost one of their guys to the portal. The kid who killed us, Masood, is already in the portal. (laughs) Um, Can he do it again? Yeah, maybe. Is there, you know, this is a, look, I mean, Brad Underwood probably felt like he had this stuff dialed in. Because if you look back to year before this one, so last season, and you looked at guys he had added in the portal, he added Plubber who was just a great addition for them. Right. Gave them exactly what that team needed. Another shooter for a team that had lacked shooting before really stepped up and hit it. (laughs) Okay. Well, what happens this year? Yeah. Terrence Shannon had a great year. Statistically. Was he a winning player all the time? I don't know. Matthew mayor did some great things at times. Did that all work? No. And now. He's anybody who's ever handled the ball at Illinois seems to be bailing out for the portal. So what kind of culture does he have? You know, these Michigan, Juwan Howard. Oh yeah. Look that first year of the portals existence. He adds, um, what was the kid's name? They're Wayne Chauncey. Uh, no, oh, I keep thinking Smith I'm drawing a blank right, on yeah, the kid. Not. That was the bat. Well, Smith was the point guard, yeah. but then they added another kid. who was a very important wing reserve for them. Yeah. And, you know, that team goes to the elite eight. They win the big 10 of oh, Juwan's a transfer master. Yeah. How's it gone the last two years? Yeah. You know, so live by the portal, die by the portal.
0: Yeah, I think, I think is that's probably true.
1: Probably the way that, that somebody like Tom Izzo sees it. And that's why I'm, I'm going to be surprised if 24 is not another large high school class for him. Now there's no guarantee you're keeping all those guys. Sure. Yeah, that's, you know, absolutely true, but. But that's his preferred way of doing this. And I don't expect to ever see him vary from that. Doesn't mean he'll never add a guy in the portal, but if you're looking for the fundamentals of what this program is going to be, it's going to be the same thing you've seen the entire time he's been.
0: Well, we'll see if Tom Izzo manages to pull off a, a, program that's consistent uh well i don't know that's successful yeah, right. right
1: yeah it's a real challenge <laughs> right. i would
0: say you know Michigan state fans and i think part of the reason this uh, allure of the the portal is you know it was partly in due to the fact that they go into the portal and grab Kenneth Walker right and they have a Heisman trophy basic caliber kind of, you know player yeah, immediately that didn't, right did isn't how I think it just it's sort of just but look at but look at that look at football I that's what I mean it's okay. like you have a person yeah. and was it because Mel Tucker's a great evaluator of talent probably in some level but in some ways that's just kind of like a kind of random lucky sort of guess right and that the portal is clearly one he's seen is not the solution to the long-term uh, success for Michigan State football. You have to get high school recruits. You have to get the offensive alignment and those sorts of things. You can't do that just through the portal, Absolutely. right? And, and I think that's – you've got – probably there's a mix, right? You go after you go after uh, Tyson yes. Walker because there's a perceived gigantic hole in the point guard, and, and that was a disastrous season in some respects for Michigan State, a really frustrating one for Izzo. And right. so he goes and – turns out he had Hogarth who developed enough that could, you know, muddle through – uh, but you had the back up in Walker and he's turned out to be, you know, fantastic in other ways. But anyway. Yeah, no, this is all this is all uh, just to just to wrap
1: it up. You know, there are differences between football and basketball. The big one being if you add two impact players in basketball, that can be enough to carry you to a conference. Oh, title. sure. Yeah. In football, in football. I mean, Kenneth Walker was a real rare. Yeah. He was one of those generational talents. One yeah. one guy makes a massive difference. Right. Um, but that's a big difference between the sport. So I understand why fans in a general sense get enamored of the portal. But, um, I, I think that I, I am very comfortable. Let's put it that way with the way that Tom Izzo is approaching this stuff. And, you know, there are always going to be fans who see a quick fix available and see it seemingly working at other places. And start moaning and groaning about why Izzo won't get with the times. Well, you know, let let's see, let's see when the final chapter is written, how that goes. Because I can I can tell you that I think if if you're going into every season with your program constantly having to reinvent things, I don't I don't see how you can realistically look at that as a a model for success, consistent success. Right. Yeah. yeah. You might catch lightning in a bottle, you know, but, and, and you look at it, you know, there's some programs, I mean, Michigan's one where they're in a position where they're going to have to, they, they have no choice. Yes. They're going to hit the portal hard this year and you don't know where it's all going to land, but I know this, I wouldn't want that to be my program. Yeah. Illinois, same thing. Illinois is going to have to hit the portal hard. I wouldn't want to be them, Uh, you know, and, and so I'm personally going to enjoy every season we get out of Tom Mizzou for that reason. In addition to many others, why? Because I do, I'll admit it. I like the experience as a fan of being able to follow guys. Over multiple years, and you deepen that relationship with them. You see, you see them grow. I can't count the number of guys who have come into Michigan State and been very nervous in interviews. You know, you you look at them and you you see that you see that they're a kid. Yeah, and then you look three, four years, five years, some cases down the line, and you see what they've matured into. And it's so gratifying to see that. That's something that, I mean, honest to God, I appreciate as a fan to watch guys develop. And that's what Tom Izzle always talks about. So I'm grateful that Michigan state, at least for now, still has that kind of program. And, um, you know, it's not going to probably always be that. Yeah. No, I appreciate when you've got it. And I think, you know, and and I, and I also say that just one more point. I also say that as somebody who I have no problem philosophically with the existence of the portal. I, where I find myself, I understand every criticism Izzo says, I agree with him that he's, he's right about all that stuff. A lot of kids get left holding the bag without a scholarship Mm -hmm. at the end of it. A lot of guys end up making decisions for the wrong reasons. And they do damage to themselves, to their career on a lot of levels. Um, and so I, I and, and they're not, they're not having to learn as much as maybe they could about what it takes to overcome adversity and obstacles in your life. I get all that. I still land on the side of they should have freedom Mm-hmm. just like any other college student has yes. to move. So I, 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 so I'm not opposed to the portal, but what I am saying is I prefer the way Michigan state operates. If I have the choice. Yeah.
0: yeah I feel in some ways it's sort of like a little bit like uh, with major league baseball, you know, you have you're you have a uh, more of a love for the players that you bring up through your own farm system and develop. And then they go into on, on your team versus just getting free agents out uh Absol- right. Absolutely. So. That's a very
1: common, you love, you love to watch, you know, i look at it uh, just a real quick example. Um, cause I think the sport that, that has the, the roughest relationship with what we're talking about is the NFL because free agency is such a big deal. It affects so much of a roster, yeah. you know, more so than in most other sports, I think, um, certainly professional sports and, you know, because the lions were not only competitive for the first time in a while, but were just filled with great personalities. And it was such a great story. I got into following that in a way that I haven't cared about the NFL in a long time, probably since Barry Sanders hunt them up. And, and it was a great experience, you know, starting with hard knocks on HBO and going through the rough start and then to see them come out of it and almost make the playoffs, just play great football. And you got to know all these guys. You know, and the, and Jamal Williams being a great yeah, example, yeah, the yeah. running back. And then he's gone. Yeah, I know.
0: You yeah. know,
1: and that's whatever. It is what it is. It's it's nobody's yeah, fault it's the sport, necessarily, yeah. but it's the sport. It happens. And, you know, I, I, it didn't used to be that way when I and I'm not get off my lawn. <laughs> shaking. your But It's fist just the like truth. You know, right? It's just the truth. Yeah, I'm not I'm not <laughs> screaming in a cloud, um, but. It, it was the truth. Like when I was a kid, the Steelers were the Steelers because it was every year, it was the Steelers and yeah, there'd be occasional shifts, but not much. The Raiders were the Raiders. The Cowboys were the Cowboys, you know, even into the eighties. And once you had free agency initially, it still kind of stayed that way. The 49ers, you know, had a long run, and you know, on and on and on. And you get to know these teams over the course of six years, seven years, eight years, you know, that is, that is something that is missing. And college was always different in that you had a restricted period of time. Yeah. Right. You were always going to be there no more than four or five years, you know, but now we we've really gone extreme. And I, I do wonder what that's going, if there's going to be an eventual negative fallout for the sport as a whole, as a result of that, I, I tend to think that what matters most to people is somebody wearing the school name on the front of their jersey. I agree. But it is a test. Yep, for sure. There's no I in team, but there is one in
2: Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. Planning a trip to one of the great national parks, L.L. Bean went to the experts at the National Park Foundation to get the inside scoop on which parks are the best to visit in each season. Whether you're looking for outstanding scenery, smaller crowds, or unique activities, L.L. Bean, be an outsider. To check out the full list of recommendations, visit llbean.com slash explore.
0: All right, uh, let's blow through these. I, not blow, but we're going to talk about the next eight targets for Michigan State for the 2024 class real briefly. And then uh, there'll be the next episode will be on just the Big Ten in review, so you can catch that in a few days. So let's begin with Jess McCullough, 6'9", power forward from Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, stretch four with the big potential.
1: Yeah, the, if I had to name a guy that I think is likely to be the next commit, it would be Jesse McCullough. Um, and, and that's because he's he's pretty much, <laughs> he and his family have spoken about Michigan State in very, very glowing terms. And I have heard that it is considered, and take this for what it's worth, but I have heard that it is considered that he's likely to be the guy, um, the next guy. And he makes sense because, Well, first of all, you always want guys at that position in the modern game who can shoot, and Tom Izzo has wanted guys who could shoot at that position for a lot longer than it was in vogue. I mean, he had A.J. Granger,
0: right? Yeah.
1: So that's 25 years ago. I mean, he's always valued that before most coaches did. McCullough's that kind of guy. Um, I, I think that... I will not be surprised to see a, um, a commitment come fairly soon. It wouldn't surprise me if it was in the next month or so. Um, he's a guy that I don't have the sense the recruiting services have fully caught up to him. He's ranked in the top 100, but the lower end, the sense I have is that Michigan state feels he's better than that. Um, you know, he's, he's not incredibly strong in the upper body right now. That's an area that we'll have to improve. Um, but it's funny. I think even though they talk about him as a stretch, uh, from what I've seen in, in, in clips, game clips, he looks a little more natural as a post player than say Xavier Booker does. So I don't think he's exclusively, oh, this is a guy who's going to float around. And all he's going to do is take jump shots. I think he might actually be a multi-level scorer for Michigan state, especially as he gets stronger. Um, but very good player. He's got, um, he's got, uh, offers from, um, other big 10 schools. I believe Michigan offered him. I believe Ohio state offered him, but, uh, the feeling is pretty good that he's going to be a guy at Michigan state. Uh, he'd be my pick for the next one. That's likely.
0: So next would be Aiden Shirell, 6'10", originally from Detroit, now playing in Phoenix, which is, seems to be a very common occurrence nowadays. People playing out of state, uh, yes. Michigan yes. top 30 recruit.
1: Yeah. Uh, very athletic. Again, another guy who's got some stretch ability. I would say he's not as reliable with the jumper as McCullough is, but he certainly has that potential. And he was a guy that had strong interest in Michigan state early and vice versa. Now, again, he's another guy fits the mold. You can, you can think about guys that they've had. He's got some Xavier Booker to him, maybe some Jaron Jackson. He's that kind of, and I'm being very rough with the comparisons, but he's that kind of player. Um, but I don't think it's going to work out. I think that McCullough, again, is going to take that spot. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they're going to look to sign two players like that. And it also seems that from what I've heard, it seems like the, the favorite is Alabama for sure. Um, so it won't be surprising to see that's how it ends up, but you know, it'll be interesting because he's a guy who is more highly regarded nationally right now than McCullough i gonna be interested to see how that plays out over time because I'm not sure there's as much of a difference between them as the rankings would suggest, but that's just my personal. Opinion. Sure.
0: Uh, next is a guy who I hope comes to Michigan because I love his last name, Flory Budinga, 6'10 center from Kokomo, Indiana. Yeah. Uh, he is a top five recruit and – so I mean, it's obviously <laughs> lots of talent, and <laughs> and a center position who you'll probably need. Although you know, it's it's funny in some ways. You kind of look at me, you say it's center position. You're like, yeah, it looks a little clogged up. Maybe potentially in the next year or two.
1: You could have this group for two more years, potentially, because Mahdi would be eligible right. uh, to take a COVID year, so he could have two more years left if he so chooses. Um, oh, look, Badinga is a big time player. I can't, I can't put that strongly enough. Um, I think you can make an argument that he is certainly the most dominant center recruit in this part of the country since Greg Oden. Wow. And for people who might not remember, I mean, (laughs) Greg Oden in high school and his year at Ohio state was dominant. This guy has got It's some of that. He also kind of reminds me in some ways, not the totality of his game, but around the basket. He reminds me a little bit of Chris Weber when I've seen him, you know, great hands and he just, he's an angry finisher. Um, He's just really, really good. And uh, there's a small chance. From what I've heard that he might reclassify to 23, but that seems unlikely. I think the betting is that he stays in 24. He plays for Kokomo high school, which by the way, we're former Michigan state player and transfer edition Brandon wood. Mm -hmm. Um, the first year of the grad transfer rule, they got him. That's where he played. And, uh, he led Kokomo to the biggest school classification, um, Championship game where they lost to Indianapolis Ben Davis. Um, but uh, look, Bodenga just tore up AAU last year. He kind of came from relative obscurity to be a top five guy. I don't see that kind of ranking changing. I think he's he's at that level. Um, just athletic, strong and dominant. I mean, you can't put it any other way. And he, unlike, you know, some of these centers that we've talked about all year or the last several years, in the big 10, he can, I think he can play the modern game. He's athletic enough that you're not going to have to play him necessarily in drop coverage. Gotcha. You know, um, I don't know that he's a shooter at this point, but that's okay. Defense is where I, I get more exercised about that. Um, he unofficially visited MSU in early November. By all accounts, it went very well. Um, but I, I have to be realistic. I think that Indiana and Cincinnati, believe it or not, and there are reasons for that, are seen as the favorites right now. I think it's going to be very interesting, and you can tell a lot if you haven't spent much time following recruiting over the years, which is probably a very small percentage of our (laughs) listenership. But, um, if you haven't a great tell for where Michigan state's interest lies is when you read reports about these, um, uh, especially the, uh, the, the shoe circuit stops where they're in a a city for three days and a team will play, you know, whatever it is, five or six games, um, Pay attention to the reports and see who Tom Izzo is watching. So, and, and Flory Bedinga, it's interesting this year, you know, and I don't want to get too deep in the weeds on this, but Michigan State is a Nike school. And over the years, they've had a disproportionate number of kids that played either for Nike programs or this year was an example um, where a couple of them played for, grassroots programs that weren't mm-hmm. part of a shoe circuit. Right. This class, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of Adidas and Under Armour affiliated kids. And I'm, I'm not quite sure why that is, but anyway, Flory Bodinga plays for an Adidas program, India elite, very good long-standing program out of Indiana. And, um, if Tom Izzo is a frequent visitor to his games, then, you know that they're serious, they're remaining serious about it, and they think they're in it. So that's going to be, as we move through April into May, these next couple months, AAU really gets ramped up. That's going to be a storyline, because Badinga is going to be one of the big recruitments nationally, for good reason. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's an exceptional player, potentially. Right now, I would say, you know, Indiana, is perceived to be the leader in the clubhouse. He's been to several games over the course of this season, but he's, you know, it's close. Sure. So uh, we'll see what it means when, when recruiting really starts to ramp up over the next couple of months.
0: And you, and he's, you know, we've talked before, like a lot of these players, you don't really want to wait too long to make your decision because, there's not as many players taken out of high school, especially with the COVID year still out there and stuff. And so you almost have to jump at it unless you're one of the top, you know, whatever recruits. And so he's got a guy who can kind of wait as long as he wants really in order yep. to get it. The spot he wants. Yeah. So uh, moving on to the next player, Tyler McKinley, six, nine stretch four from Cincinnati.
1: Yeah. Um, another guy, you know, fills that run. It's interesting. If, if I'm right about McCullough, um, does that mean the recruitments of Shirell and of this guy stop? It might, mm-hmm. it might be first come first serve. Right. Cause I don't think they're going to take two guys like that. I'd be surprised, but McKinley really good player. Seems to be getting better. I read he's, he plays at link Academy in Missouri. He's originally from Cincinnati. So another Ohio kid, but uh, he plays his, his ball at uh, a prep school in Missouri. And they are part of this event uh, going on now called the geico nationals which is kind of the national the high school national championship for prep schools you see it on espn every every spring um and he has performed he performed very very well in that event so he seems to be getting better he's a top ranked a top 60 player currently but um michigan state has offered him um they compare him to draymond green he's 6'9. Bigger than Draymond, but the Draymond comparison is because he's a guy they see as being a good passer, has good court vision, can can make plays for other people. But again, he's another stretch four type as well. He can shoot from the perimeter. Uh, he's talked about setting up visits over the next several weeks to schools like MSU, Tennessee, Xavier, Ohio State, Cincinnati. So you see a heavy. I mentioned he's from Cincinnati. You see a heavy Ohio flavor in that. Yeah. Um, but it looks like MSU will probably get an official as well. And that could happen uh, shortly. It would, I, I haven't seen any details about it real recently, but I think it was in February. He was talking about that. So uh, you could see him on a visit soon, but again, it, it's, it, you know, what you were talking about a second ago, that first come for a serve thing. If a guy like McCullough has decided like, yeah, Michigan state, I think is where I want to be you don't have a lot of motivation to not pull the trigger the way you used right. to. Right, yeah. You know?
0: Uh, so the next would be six, six wing from Ohio stay in the same region. Jonathan Powell. Yeah. A uh, kid from Dayton MSU offered him this fall. He's,
1: I believe he's been in a couple times over the course of the, the fall and the winter. Um, he's a guy that he said, again, underrated. He does show up in some top 100s, but, From what I've seen and what I've heard, I'm going to be very surprised if he is not a very fast riser this AAU Mm -hmm. season. I wouldn't be surprised if by the summer we're talking about him as maybe even a top 50 guy. He looks very, very good to me. He's 6'6", skilled, smooth, athletic. Um, The word I got was when he was on his visit, he was extremely impressed at MSU. But um, you know how that how that plays out and and a a valid question is does today's commitment change anything? Right. I personally don't I don't necessarily believe that's the case. I can see a path, as we talked about, for Michigan State wanting two wings. And Powell is a different kind of player than Tang. He's also very skilled, too, but he's longer, he's six six. He's a better athlete, um, so he can do some things maybe differently than Tang. I wouldn't say he's the half court, you know, shot hunter technician that Tang is, but he's a he's a very good player potentially. So definitely a name to watch. And again, you're going to know early where MSU is with some of these guys because you're going to start seeing reports of coaches being at their games. Right.
0: Uh, next is another wing, 6'6". Six, six. Top 10 wing, Bryson Tucker, who's out in out East again, Michigan State going to moving their recruiting reach out for a lot farther than just the Midwest. He's in Baltimore. Well, he's
1: from Baltimore. And it's an interesting situation. And I haven't, I can't get the full story. So he started last year at IMG in Florida. Right. He transferred down playing his first two years in high school in Baltimore and got off to a great start. And then in early January, he left. And I don't think he played anywhere else, which wouldn't be surprising, tough to do at that point of the season. But I'm not sure that he's announced any plans for where he'll be next year. Um, very talented kid. In fact, so talented, he's part of a an Under Armour commercial <laughs> that got released in March where it's him or a couple of players, I think from the W, well, one player from the WNBA, I think there was a player from South Carolina's women's team and Steph Curry and Bryson Tuck. Those are the four people in the commercial. So, um, and he's a Maryland kid. The owner of under armor, the CEO is a Maryland guy, university of Maryland guy, okay. actually. So not a surprise. Um, this is an interesting one because he's an elite recruit. Again, he's, he's in the top 10 for a reason, good size at six, six, He's a smooth shot maker, but a good athlete. He's strong, do a lot of things at a very high level. So he's no joke. He was a guy that Duke has been in on for years. And so there was this suggestion that he was just kind of one of these guys. And it happens sometimes that way with Duke, especially where they're just kind of dialed in on a player and the player isn't really considering anybody else. And he's just going to end up at Duke and everybody understands. Right you know, and Michigan state's had some guys like that in the past too, but they tend to be Michigan kids, um, when that happens. Um, but an interesting thing happened. Tucker really became enamored. I mean, really enamored of Michigan state to the point that in December, just before he left IMG, he was talking about how as soon as the season was over in the spring, he wanted to start taking officials. And he knew that the first official he wanted to take was Michigan state. Interesting very interesting. I don't know where any of that is. Yeah. Uh, you know, when you see a kid leave, you never know, could be a sign of something could be nothing. Um, and, and even with the expressed interest in Michigan state, Duke is certainly still a factor there you would think. Um, but it's, it's going to be very interesting to see what happens there. Again, if he schedules a visit coming up in the next Several weeks and/or Michigan State is a frequent attendee of his games in AAU. Well, then you got your answer. Yeah, but again, another Wayne. Are they still on the market for a Wayne after today? I think they probably are. And Tucker's a big time talent. I mean, he's a guy you he's a guy you would take.
0: Well, uh, speaking of tea, if it's just about talent, right, right. Well, speaking of tea leaves, next player is Jason Richardson, son of Jason Richardson, former Michigan State star and NBA, you know. Star as well. He plays out in Las Vegas, and he's a top forty point guard recruit.
1: Yeah, and, and more of a combo guard. I mean, Jace Richardson, I would describe as a what they used to call a lead guard, which meant guys that have the ball in their hands a lot, but they primarily look to score as opposed to facilitate playmate yeah. for others. That's what Jace Richardson is stylistically. He's been a big time player for a long time. Six um, two. He's kind of stocky, strong. Um, good athlete, not on his dad's, maybe very good, but not on his dad's yeah, level. If certainly shorter. Yeah. You're thinking us you're thinking a six, two version of his dad. It's, it's not quite that. <laughs> um, but, uh, but a good athlete and a guy who can definitely score. Uh, I, I, I don't, I'm not under the impression that he's, he's not a Jeremy fears, as a playmaker, he's a different kind of player. Again, much more of a scores mentality. He officially visited MSU in October and it seemed to go very well. And honestly, there had been a feeling for a while that, well, it's not even going to be serious with Michigan state kids grown up. He's never lived in Michigan. Yeah, right. He's grown up on the West coast. So, you know, his affinity for MSU is not maybe what you would assume it is. And, uh, his dad just does not seem to be prone to pushing Mm -hmm. from what I've heard. He's not, he's not looking to drive the recruitments of his sons. And there's a, there's another son who was a freshman this year at Gorman. Who's bigger. And I saw him play actually a game this winter, uh, back in December or January. I think it was December and he was really impressive. Jackson Richardson. So that's another name to maybe watch for. Um, but Jace, you know, visited MSU on an official in October. And it went very, very well. And he's also high on, I've seen Arkansas, Kansas, Florida, and others. Look, if I, if I have to make a call here in April, I wouldn't expect Jace Richardson to be part of the class. And in part it's because I expect wherever he goes, he's going to be looking at wanting to step right in. Yeah play right away yeah be a starter and it and at, and probably with the ball in his hands a lot and at michigan state look uh for as long as jeremy fears is at michigan state you know after next year of course um i think he's going to have the keys I, I am so sold on that kid so i just don't know i think if i think michigan state would like to add a guy with capability of playing on the ball to this class but i think that it might need to be a guy who's okay with a year, maybe breaking in being a rotation guy. Cause again, it's not even just Jeremy fears. You've also got Trey Holloman.
0: Yeah. Right. It's easy to forget. So, yeah.
1: and, and Trey Holloman's going to get better. I'm convinced of that. Mm-hmm. So it's challenging, but I do think they would like to add another guy like that. I just don't know if I think chase Richardson, big time talent. It's not that it just, I don't know if they're going to see, if he's going to see that as a great fit for what he wants,
0: and don't discount the fact that SoCal next year, Big Ten country. All right, finally, we're going to go to Darrell uh, Fat Fat Brooks, six three combo guard from Grand, Rap- Grand Rapids Catholic Central. Uh, he's, I know he's visited, visited Michigan State a number of times, and he's you know on the, everyone's radar in the Midwest for sure.
1: Yeah, you know, it's an interesting recruitment because he's generally seen as a guy outside the top one hundred. And I don't think he had quite the high school season that maybe was expected. It wasn't terrible. It's just, he had one, he'd been part of a state championship team last year. They didn't repeat. Um, and I don't think he dominated maybe quite as much as people thought he might, but I still, I personally think he's a very good player. He actually, and I don't think he's at this level, but he actually reminds me a little bit of Cassius (laughs) in that you, you, he has a knack for playing the game at his pace, or he can, when he's fully engaged and you're not necessarily wowed when you look at him in terms of the physical tools, but he can get a lot done. So in any event, uh, it's an interesting recruitment because again, he's outside the top 100, but he's got offers from Michigan state, Michigan, Ohio state and others. So Obviously coaches feel like he's a guy capable of playing. Um, I think, I think this one will be interesting to watch how it evolves. Uh, I know for a fact, his family are all big Michigan fans, but Michigan state offered a lot earlier, Mm -hmm. almost a full year, I think earlier than Michigan did. He has been to Michigan state numerous times. They certainly recruited him. Uh, like a guy they really want. And from what I could tell, have shown him more attention over time than Michigan has. Uh, I'm, I'm wondering about a lot of things. You know, Michigan also has a point guard already committed in that class. So how does that impact things? You know, I think people believe that fat fat can move off the ball too, but you don't know, um, You know, there are some that question whether he's a guy at a level MSU should be taking him, Um, again, because he didn't have a great high school season last year. So I think his AAU play is going to be very important with the family. He had a great AAU season last year playing for 16 and unders. He might need that again to really keep the high or expand his offers even further. Um, but he's going to be an interesting one to keep an eye on for sure. And again, another one, there's nobody else on the family 17 under team right now, at least that I think Michigan state has expressed interest in. So if you're seeing Michigan state coaches showing up at family games, that's a pretty good indication that they're still serious about fat, fat, you know, and the other, the other thing I want to say before we wrap this up though, cause this is important. These are guys that are worth mentioning right now as we sit here at the beginning of April. Every year, almost every year, Michigan State expands its offer list as the AAU season goes on. Mm -hmm. This time last year, Cohen Carr and Greg Norman were nowhere on MSU's radar. Right. Not, not in terms of having an offer, at least. They were aware of who they were, but there wasn't a serious recruitment yet with either kid. It changed. Could be a very similar thing happens this year. There could be guys that we have not talked about that all of a sudden become of high interest to Michigan State and vice versa. So I say that just a caution. Do not think that this is exclusively the pool of players that Michigan State will be drawing from because it might
0: change. All right, well, that's a good place to wrap it up. It's, uh, things change. We get new commitments or something happens in the portal or maybe a roster move and Mission State will come back with another episode. Again, like I said, the next episode is going to be, after this one, is going to be just the recap for all the Big Ten teams. And then I think probably in a week or so, we're going to just kind of go over where the Big Ten is as far as uh, you know <laughs> everyone's roster or lack thereof. There's a lot, a lot, a lot, lot of movement. Of...
1: A lot of changes right? just every day. There are more of, them. yeah, we've had, we've had a coaching change in the big mm-hmm. 10 that we did, didn't necessarily expect to see, but it happened. Um, And lots of roster movement,
0: so everything's in flux. I know when I looked a couple days ago, there were 1,116 players in the portal. I'm sure there are probably an extra 500 since I last looked, and I think it's yeah, it's it's knocking
1: on the door of 1,500 now. From what I understand,
0: that's not surprising. And then I think the deadline is May 11th, so really you don't know anything until I mean we're we're just barely begun, uh, and you know the NC tournament just ended, so there's still players. Well, here's
1: what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. So some of those. 1500 1300 whatever it is right now some of those players are going to commit to, to places and then that in turn is going to cause other guys right. that were the on the roster to leave <laughs> yeah
0: so yeah we're not nearly done yeah there was a i there's a really nice fan from fau who was there at the saturday game and he's he's like oh you know it was a tough game or whatever but You know, those are all like freshmen and and sophomores. We're going to still be good for a while. I'm thinking to myself, yeah, we'll see how many of those players are still around. I mean, they're going to get poached, right?
1: That's going to be the all-time challenge. But I'll tell you this, not to belabor this episode, but the biggest break Florida Atlantic got is that this was a weird year, or at least it has been to date in the hiring cycle. Right. Because normally a guy like Dusty May coming off the season, he's had would be at a high major, no questions asked, but it was a weird, you know, Chris Beard got forced out of his job. So he's suddenly available for Ole Miss. That was the job that people thought Dusty May might get. Instead, Chris Beard Mm -hmm. gets it, you know, um, there, there just haven't been opportunities. So Florida Atlantic right before the final four announced a long-term extension. Um, that doesn't mean a whole (laughs) hell of a lot, but I, but honestly, in this situation, I think he's, I'm going to be surprised if he's somewhere else right now. Yeah. And, and so that might actually give him a chance to hold a lot of that team together, but you make a really, really good point. Um, you know, nor under the history of the sport, if you were a team like that, that was freshman and sophomore dominated, you'd feel fantastic. Cause you'd say, well, we got at least another bite or two at the app. Yeah. Right. You don't know yeah.
0: today. Well, we're gonna wrap it up there because it's been gone kinda of long. Again, reporting from you to you from Houston in the final four. Oh, also we'll get the now that I think about two, but one last thing is we do have the uh, the bracket challenge and you know, I hate to mention this, Rob, but I beat you. Um, because really? <laughs> I had you Connecticut in the final in the in the final four, in the final game. I had them losing to Alabama. Oh, but so I managed to for you. I, <laughs> I managed to, to somehow squeeze that out, so I, I end up I think fifteenth or something like that uh, in my office pool. I was up to fifth; it's the highest I've ever been. So
1: where did where did I where did I think I you're like twenty seventh or so?
0: So pretty good, or maybe I'll maybe take, I'll take maybe that. less. I have to check. I, my son was twenty seventh. Top, top twenty top twenty five
1: percent. I'll take yeah, that.
0: Yeah, I, I don't, and I don't quote me on that. We'll kind of figure it out. We've got to track down the top three winners. I'll have to look things up to win your prizes. So okay. anyway. Uh, stay tuned make sure you subscribe if you're not yet subscribed visit our sponsors nudge printing and brothers at just Two gutters Until next time the final four is on the schedule go green
2: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early So everyone can go home on time